0: the world is like a ride at an amusement park and when you choose to go on it you think it's real because that's how powerful our minds are i can tell you from experience the effect you have on others is the most valuable currency there is don't think feel it is like a finger pointing away to the moon don't concentrate on the finger or you will miss all that heavenly glory
1: you take the red pill you stay in wonderland and i show you how deep the rabbit hole goes Gentlemen, welcome back to the Liberation Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Nicholas Gregoratis, and I'm speaking to you from my studio in Los Angeles, California. I hope this message finds you guys happy and healthy wherever it is that you are in the world. I'm very excited to share the conversation I just had with you. The guest has some amazing insights on challenges we face as men. And more importantly, he offers some tools on how to face and overcome those challenges. Before we get into that, Particular conversation. I want to remind you guys that my one to one coaching is once again open. If you are at a place in your life where you feel stuck and you just want to take things to the next level, you want to improve your career, you want to make more money, you want to become happier and healthier, you want to improve the quality of your relationships, I can probably help you. If you want to find out more about my work and what it is I do and how I do it, head on over to liberationmentor.com and click on the work with me tab. To apply for a call in which we can dive a little bit deeper into the things that you're facing and the things that you need help with. Let's dive right into the episode, guys. Here is David Jurasek. Enjoy. David, welcome to the show, my man. I'm really happy to have you on here.
0: Thanks, Nick. Really been really enjoying watching and listening to your work. Thank you, brother. Really loving how you like to, to challenge and go deep in the conversation. So,
1: Yeah. Thanks brother. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. You know, I've had a couple of guys like now that the popular, the show is getting more popular. I have people reach out or at least their media agents reach out and some of them are cool and lead to great conversations, but a couple like, you know, I've just, the guys just had no depth whatsoever. And I, you know, you're pushing in the conversation. You're trying to get like, come on, bro, let's go, let's go deeper. Let's, let's talk about something that matters. And, Mm. They don't get there. And to be honest, I just don't even release those episodes because they just,
0: they just don't jive with me, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm particularly uh, passionate about working with men who are on that edge of like, they have that same feeling of like with their friends, with their colleagues, with other guys, where they, they're looking for that depth and they, they don't have time for anything else. Absolutely. I know exactly what you're talking
1: about. Well, I guess let's start there. So you've identified what you believe are the five biggest blocks for men in relationships and life, and you mm-hmm. call them the five saboteurs. You also say that, that those are related usually to to men's core wounds. So mm-hmm. I'd love to hear I'd love to mm-hmm. hear about
0: that. Let's start with that.
1: Okay. So that's pretty deep. <laughs>
0: it's, it's good terrain. So so as I tell you know, I'd love as I tell you about it, Nick, is for you to jump in, ask me questions and also like. Tell me if you relate to any of these. Sure. Um, Because this came to me from working with lots of men and also boys and um, teenagers. Mm -hmm. This conversation of like, you know, something's in my way. I don't know why I'm holding myself back. And then we go further into that conversation and it usually comes to these characters. Mm -hmm. And the words, the naming of it also comes from men. It's not something I made up. It's just like, it comes out in the conversation, right? Sure. So the first one is the victim. Hmm. It's that consciousness of like, you know, I've been hard done by things have happened to me. Uh, I bet, you know, as a martial artist, you've, you've seen this, you know, when people collapse in their own power. Uh,
1: interesting. I've never you really know? framed it as collapsing within their own power. Could you yeah. Could you elaborate
0: a little bit more on so, that? So I come from a tradition of Aikido where we have a concept of the center, like a ball of energy at the core of our being, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not about me overreaching my powers, me trying to control you, dominate you, hurt you. Me also collapsing my power or giving away my power to other people is losing my center. Mm -hmm. And so the the idea of coming back into the center, I'm whole, complete, I'm responsive to the situation, however challenging it can be. Yeah, is something I teach and I embody and I show people, oh, look, you know, if I push you, what do you do? Do you push back and reach over to try to wrestle me or do you collapse? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people freeze and collapse. And so the victim is a stance of collapsing. of Like, oh, you know, I can't do stuff because someone else has power over me. The government, some other entity, or, or I'm just not, I don't have it in me and deeper in that is this fear of being injured being hurt being abandoned being wounded again so if i take on the victim it's protection because hey no one can hurt me because i'm going to hurt myself sure sure i'm going to tell my sob story and get attention and and pity and sometimes even real compassion but i will stay in that that place because it's actually safe so and and victim energy is different from actually being victimized. You know, there's genuine instances where we get injured physically, emotionally, psychologically.
1: My mentor Rocco, he always says to me, one of the the core principles of his work is that fear is not danger. And uh, that's something that I've had Mm. to really understand is like being afraid doesn't necessarily imply that the threat is real. Right. And a lot of us get stuck in that loop believing that just because we're afraid of something, that it's actually a real dangerous thing that could cause harm to our being, and most of the time it isn't.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and sometimes fear is useful as an alarm system, right? To wake up, pay attention to a threat. So, you know, like the, the victim comes from a genuine place often of, we've all been hurt in some ways, but it's that calcifying around that, creating a whole identity around that. And continuing to hold on to that hurt as some kind of currency mm-hmm. and as an excuse, right? So that's 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 a common one. That's one where I think in the culture of men particularly, we we kind of don't like that. We we sure. jump on each other when you're being a victim, we go, ah, oh, stop being a victim, right? <laughs> but a lot of guys hold that energy in, in covertly, subconsciously, mm-hmm. right? Yes. The second saboteur. This whoa, 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 f- let me let me yeah, let me stop yeah. you. First. <laughs> okay, slow down. Yeah. <laughs> how do you fix that one? Right. So for me with the with the victim, th- I mean there's many pathways. What I love is pathways through the body. Mm. And for me, victim pathways are perfect to work with through the physical self. So I'll take guys and I'll teach them how to get a grounded stance, how to I'll push them over, I'll attack them physically to help them to realize hey you're more resilient than you think you don't have to collapse like a ball that's punctured you can you can pivot you can turn you can parley you can you can move right you got legs you got arms to like mo- to get them out of the freeze response a lot of times the victim is in this frozen state Mm. eternally re- revisiting what happened in the past. Right. So getting men activated, getting them men to move, to go for a run, a walk, challenging the story, the narrative of the victim, but in a the compassionate story. way, you know, like it's got to be in a compassionate way. You can kind of see what's happening in the world right now is there's a lot of dueling victims. There's a lot of people fighting online about who's a bigger victim.
2: Hmm.
0: And sure. I think it's, it's got to be through compassion. Yes. You've been hurt. Yes. It's, it's been, it's terrible what happened. It's so
1: interesting um, that you you mentioned the idea of stories because Mm -hmm. I just had this profound, profound insight on the weekend. I was doing a deep meditation and I, Mm. I just had this understanding that everything's just a story you tell yourself, everything, Mm -hmm. your, your life is just a collection of stories within a broader story. And this, this impacted me so much, this understanding that I, that I realized, or I decided I'm changing the tagline of my business to your life is just a story, make it a great one. Mm -hmm. You know? So it's like making like, if sure things happen to us and you know, that's, that's in our past, but it's just a story. Like maybe your mom didn't give you as many hugs as you needed when you were a kid. But that's gone now. That's gone. It's just a story in your head. It's not even the truth of what really happened, right? Because it's right. just an, it's right. an interpretation of, of what you believe happened, even though you might get some of it right. Most of it is just a memory and a, and a story that's in your head. And you might as well, if that story's fucking you up,
0: you might as well start telling a new, better story, right? Right, right. Mm. And I, I think that's absolutely true and where I want to challenge anyone who thinks it's only a story is that that story got imprinted into our cellular structure, got mm-hmm. imprinted into our nervous system. That's why we go to train in martial arts. We don't train once, figure out how to move and then move on, right? We train daily, mm-hmm. weekly. Mm-hmm. We come back to, wait a second, there's an old pattern that's very powerful. And even if mentally I've kind of broken the spell, oh, that story, oh, I'm not going to be fooled by that narrative anymore, the story still, the body keeps score, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The body has the imprint of that story. So sometimes we get men who are very consciously aware, very clear mentally, but they keep playing out the same physical pattern, the same relational pattern. They know they don't want to be a victim. They don't use the words of a victim, but when they're in the relationship with their partner or with their kids, they still will collapse into the stance of the victim. Mm-hmm. So I like to, I like to challenge the, the narrative, but also get into the guts and, and change the movement pattern, the physicality, and also the heart, understanding and healing the pain behind that. Because if you've been wounded in a specific way, even if you understand that intellectually and know that that's, that happened 20 years ago, if the feelings are still in your nervous system, it's still going to be a powerful cocktail. Absolutely, and you speak to that experience that you had this weekend and and I imagine a part of that experience was there was a mental awakening, a clarity, but there was also some kind of emotional physiological release shift that happened in your mm-hmm. body right
1: mm-hmm. yeah i'm a I'm a huge believer that we we carry energetic signatures uh, like our our frequency that we operate is, is, our body is projecting that all the time. And unless you get to the point where you, you change that frequency physiologically, and that's usually done through a combination of mental exercises or, um, becoming consciously aware of things, but also you, you actually have to get that shit out of your body, right? You have to get that like sh- crappy feeling that's in your stomach since you were five, when, your dad said something nasty to you or whatever i mean whatever it might be like those things get trapped in the body and until you deal with them just saying i'm aware of the pattern it's not enough i totally agree with you on that i absolutely agree with you on that right and and there's
0: many paths to process more deeply i prefer the relational path because it's it's the most intense but it's also the the fastest in a way because Hey, I can, I can think, you know, I've done this work for 25 years. Uh, I can think, oh, I'm totally healed. I can talk to you and have nothing, nothing trigger me. I feel great. But when I turn towards my wife and she's unhappy, boom, you know, something <laughs> deep arises in me with the way she looks at me. And it's a beautiful mirror. I think uh, relationships are like a dojo. They're open 24 seven though. You don't get to <laughs> leave. You don't get to leave unless you leave the relationship. Right. Right sure and and it's a good bullshit detector because i can think i'm farther ahead than when i it's, it's very humbling so the, the victim comes up all the time and people who are very conscious very awakened uh it can be subtle um it could be even how we relate to time and how we don't prioritize ourselves and whatever it is mm-hmm. the second one is is i find the most common which is the lone wolf huh. and. Uh, I have not met one man in my life who has not identified with this one It is mm-hmm. so ingrained in our culture as men. And I've worked with boys from like age four up through to 20, you know, um, and men who are like 90 and the lone wolf is just so bred into us. And it's different for women. Women have different patterns that they take on societally and they've culture related and. But the lone wolf, it's, there's something mysterious and beautiful about it, but it is very powerful. This idea that when I struggle, when I'm not doing great, I cannot reach out to the other guys, I cannot ask for help. It's a sign of weakness. I have to somehow figure this all out, get my shit together, make myself whole, and then I can return to the tribe. And the reality is, Even if you're talking about like physiology of it, like actual wolves in the wild, the ones who are alone die young, they get diseased and they're they're malnourished. That's the reality of the lone wolf. And that's exactly what happens to us as men. There's a huge suicide rate. There's a huge depression and anxiety in men these days. And it's directly related to isolation, social isolation. It's so interesting that you,
1: yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. I, I have a, my best friend, my best friend in the whole world. He, he's been going through social isolation, uh, during COVID because of, because of where he lives and the the policies implemented by the government there. And, uh, I have really seen his mental health rapidly deteriorate. So I, I, I know you're absolutely right. It's also interesting to me this particular concept of, of the lone wolf and and it not being necessarily the way forwards, I'm trying to rationalize it in my mind with, uh, again, it's a principle taught to me by my mentor, which is this understanding that no one else is coming, um, mm. which, which was a right. big, big breakthrough for me is realizing like, dude, you are on your own. You are on your own. Like you can have a family and you can have friends and you can have a community, but at the end of it all, no one else is coming when when those when you're asking those big deep questions when you're staring into the abyss there's no one who's going to come and pull you out of it you've got to go through that yourself so i guess as with everything else it's yeah. it's, it's an inherent paradox right you no Absolutely. one else is coming and and you need the you need the pack right it's a it's a paradox
0: it's a total paradox and i think this is this is so great that we're talking about the paradox because there's something about us that wants to collapse things into two dimensions especially online right we want to say it's all this it's all that but you're right if we think the cavalry's coming if we're waiting for a superhero or a politician or somebody to save us we are being the little boy holding on to mommy's uh, purse string you know sure yeah we are not owning our manhood and our power but equally if we think we're going to do it all alone that we can actually thrive alone is impossible. We are relational, social animals. We're wired to connect, and we thrive when we're in true partnership and alliances with other men and women. You know, when we when we have that strong pack, we are at our best. We are at our fullest. When we don't, no matter how strong willed we are, how clever or passionate. We are not, we're just not gonna do that well. And I think that handling that paradox is tricky, right? Sure. Yeah, for, I mean
1: it's it's always an edge. It's like in life, there's always this balancing point when you find these paradoxes. You can't you can't go too far to either side, right? It's one of the, the most difficult, challenging parts of the human experience.
0: And I've never met a man though, this this deculturation of men, I've never met a man who didn't to some degree, how, if they're struggling, right. They come to me if they're struggling or they have an issue or a desire, there's always a component where they're not connected enough to their brothers. I have met a man, I have met one yeah. man
1: that did it yeah. on his own. Yeah. That's it's I mean, you may I've heard him on my show. His name's Rocco and yeah, uh, he's, he's my mentor, the guy I keep referring to. He, yeah. he, did, he did it on his own. He found, he found the answers on his own. But he is, he this very special case in my, my case. Yeah. Like I needed people around me to get me out of the hole when I was at my darkest point, it was my friends that, that really helped me, you know? So I, I I totally, I'm on your, I'm on your team, but I think there are exceptions, right? At least least one. There's one.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, I know a few guys who are like real hermits, you know, they live on an Island by themselves, literally. And what's really funny about those guys is when I visit them, or I call them, they want to talk for like four hours. <laughs> they're, they're really happy out there, but they're like, you know, they're, and they're relational in the sense that they relate to the animals, the plants, the, the universe. They have conversations with themselves all the time. Sure. So, yeah, I find that, that that's the key is being relational. It's not necessarily having lots of friends or having particular kind of group that you belong to. It's that mm-hmm. sense of that. I know I'm not alone and that I'm part of a web part of an ecosystem mm-hmm. and I belong in that ecosystem. I have a place in that.
1: Absolutely um, agree. Absolutely agree with you. Okay. So number, number three,
0: you ready for it? This is, this so, is a really popular one. I think and, I'm ready. Uh, I know a lot of martial arts guys who have this one it's the fixer hmm. and uh i should just say i should go backwards for a sec the each of the the five saboteurs have a core need and when the need isn't met that's when it turns into a saboteur and into and it becomes a wo- wounding so the victim is a need to feel safe mm-hmm. the lone wolf is a need to feel free it's an attempt to be free to pull away from people right okay but it's not a, an adaptive a, way and the fixer number three it's an attempt to have power to have influence in the world Hmm. but if i'm trying to fix myself fix other people the tactic there the strategy is control i'm not okay with how things are i want them to be the way i think they should be and the energy around that is anger and frustration now sometimes fixing is really important i fixed up my house there's things that need to be fixed There's people who say, I need your help to help me fix this. And we need to step in and know what, you know, just have an idea and go with it, test it out. Mm. And may it be helpful. But when we turn towards the most things in life, especially relationships, especially ourselves, Mm -hmm. we can't actually fix the self. We're not a mechanical object that's just missing a piece. That's too simple, too reductive. We're much more complex and nuanced, right? And so Mm -hmm. the fixer can get into this pattern of just being frustrated and disappointed in everyone because they're not, they're not perfect enough. They're not fixed enough, or they're not taking his cue and his influence.
1: So interesting. This, this phenomenon occurs uh, a lot in the, the male to female romantic relationship dynamic.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) Women like complain to men about things that, They're experiencing, and then because men—I don't even think it's—it's necessarily a symbol of being damaged. But a man's one of his prime directives is to fix things within his environment. Like let's say, yeah, you know, he arrives at—I don't know—like he's on the plane and he needs shelter. He will fix a shelter. He will create a shelter. He'll fix that particular problem. And so, women come come to men with these with their problems, and then because it's who we are, we try to look for the solution, right? But most yeah. of the time, they don't want the solution. They just want to be heard. They just want someone to pay attention to them. And uh, I mean, to me, that's a really fucked up thing that it just right. happens to be the, the default that we have this inability to... It just annoys me that whatever it is or whoever it is that created us, created those inbuilt bugs, right? That, right. The, the, well, the genders can't relate in that way.
0: Well, I, I want to challenge that because for me... I've been a therapist for 20 years and I've been obsessed with wanting to help people since I was a kid Mm -hmm. and, and I guess wanting to fix people and heal people. And, you know, I see things that are, people are suffering unnecessarily. And I want to understand that. And the instinct to want to change the environment internally or externally is not a bad instinct. My daughter was born She's a lovely, sensitive little girl, but when she was born, she had panic attacks and nothing we could do to soothe her except for giving her control. We gave her a little piano. She started pressing the keys and she would relax. Yeah. <sighs> Cause now she had some influence over her environment and, you know, and it's an illusion. Control is an illusion, but it's still a need. It's still a human need. And so I find when people start to Men particularly start to think not control, not fix, but how can I influence my partner? How can I influence my environment? It becomes a lot more generative. So, for example, you might know this that in that dynamic between men and women, if someone's, if the woman is complaining, right? And the guy goes into fix, they they get into a fight. Don't tell me what to do. I didn't want you to fix me. I just wanted you to listen. If the man is more skillful and he knows how to influence better. And this comes to me from Aikido. If someone attacks me and I just block and get really stiff and hard and try to grab them and move them, we get into this huge power struggle. And it gets more violent and it inflames the conflict, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: In Aikido, we call it blending. Someone attacks and I absorb some of that attack. And I get to feel their core against my core. And then I can influence. So in the dynamic of the partner and the girlfriend. She complains if he slows down and he really gets her reality and empathizes with her first. Wow. That sounds really frustrating. Your boss is such a jerk. I would be really scared, upset, hurt by that situation. Is that what it's like, honey? And then she relaxes and says, yeah, that's so frustrating. Then he can start to influence because he's on her side. She's taking him in. She trusts him. So we don't, Get rid of that instinct to to assert our power. We just have to get more skillful with it. Sure. Like I get paid for a living for people coming to me saying, influence me. Something in my life is fucked up and I'm tired of blaming everyone else and being a victim. I will pay you hundreds of dollars an hour (laughs) to basically influence me. Mm -hmm. And I'm going, wow. So... In a way, that's, that's the way of things. We're always influencing each other. We just don't like the strategy. Fixing is a really rough strategy. Nobody likes to be treated like an object that needs to be fixed, right? Sure. But we, we all feel really grateful if someone comes in and really skillfully knows how to talk to us and handle us. Or, or and, listen. Or just or, listen. Exactly. Well, the listening, I would say listening is half of the influence. Mm. A a real skillful fixer, an evolved fixer, ceases to be a fixer and he becomes a really skillful, loving influencer. He inspires his family, his friends, everyone around him by by being a role model, by listening, and sometimes by being direct, saying, look, I know you, you trust me, I think you need to do this. But that takes more leverage, right? That there's got to be some trust earned there. Agreed. So there's there's that piece you know it's like you deferring to a sensei we all kind of train with someone we at some point we trust them enough we defer to them we surrender to their guidance to a degree that's got to be earned and we just we don't want that person to just kind of hover over us and nitpick us and micromanage our movements we want them to really influence us so so the the fixer can become the loving influencer the lone wolf becomes the fun guy, the adventurous guy, the guy who like injects uh, excitement and passion into relationships. And the victim becomes the healer because once he heals, then he knows how to help other people heal. Understood. Understood. Um, so it, it's a really exciting thing to actually know what your dark side is, because instead of getting rid of it, you can actually evolve that into a great ally. So the victim the victim becomes the healer the lone wolf becomes the adventurer and the fixer becomes
1: the influencer is that correct that's right okay yeah. so number one this is this is
0: fascinating to me number four please yeah. david oh this is one that triggers a lot of men it's the pleaser if you go yeah. on like Facebook groups with men's groups and stuff and you you say what's your problem what's the number one problem guys have everyone's going to say oh I'm a pleaser I, I, it's terrible I got to stop giving a shit about what other people think and I shouldn't Mm -hmm. be a pleaser. And there's a lot of shame around it, but the pleaser is just the part of us that wants to, wants to feel connected and loved. And the strategy of pleasing comes from childhood. We're actually conditioned. A lot of times men are conditioned by women can, it can be through other men too, but mostly through women to be the good little boy. Absolutely. And if you're not the good little boy, mommy is going to reject you. She's going Mm -hmm. to turn her back. She's going to whisper to daddy that you've been bad. He's going to, you know, like it's powerful. If you think about when we're kids, we're vulnerable and completely dependent on these adults emotionally, physically and financially too, but emotionally, Mm -hmm. when they've taken away love from an animal, I forget if it was a chimpanzee or a, a gorilla, they did an experiment. They gave them everything else but love and connection. Mm-hmm. Those animals turned really bad. Some of them died.
1: It's done with, they've done experiments with, with children in orphanages as well, babies in orphanages. Yeah. And yes.
0: They, they get
1: failure, oh. to, failure to thrive syndrome, if I'm not mistaken, is what it's exactly. called if they're not given, right. given love.
0: Yeah. So think, think about that. So the pleaser is that desperate part of us that goes, this is my only strategy. This is all I know is to get approval. And when I get, when you like what I've done, am I a good boy? (sighs) I can relax momentarily.
1: The funny thing, the funny thing is in in the dynamic with women, men try to please women and women hate it. Women absolutely hate it. It's so strange to me. That's been the the fascinating thing that I've, this phenomenon I've experienced throughout life, which is that most of the stuff we're taught as children is not, I wouldn't say most of it, but a, a large amount of it is literally the exact opposite thing you should be doing if you want results. Literally the <laughs> yeah, opposite. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Which I find fascinating, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think women hate it because it turns them into the mummy figure. Yeah. They don't want to be our mummy. They want to be our lover. They want to be captivated, enthralled, uh, in love, you know, excited, challenged. They want to grow. There's so many needs that they have. They don't want to be turned into the mummy who has to approve of us. Mm. Uh it's a turnoff, right? And sure. And then men feel embarrassed and ashamed about it. And then they they gonna swing, the pendulum swings to I don't care about, I'm gonna be a lone wolf. This relationship doesn't work. I, I need to get out. But the the problem here is that the food that we're searching for as the pleaser is approval. And approval is junk food. Approval is also what we get on social media a lot. We get likes, we get people going, ooh, I like what you said, mm. and or I don't like. We, you know and so when we get real connection when we feel like actually accepted for who we are by another human being whether it's a friend or partner we start that pleaser starts to relax and we go, oh, i don't need to do this but i need love i need connection mm-hmm. and i can find i can find other ways i can be actually a generous lover but a generous lover needs to also be willing to say no have strong boundaries. Sure, boundaries it's about can... cons-
1: it's about consent, right? Right, the and art it's of also... giving and receiving, as as my my mentor always teaches me. It's 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 uh, yeah, that's the core of it all.
0: Absolutely, and what I I see a lot of men who are who are generous, but they're generous out of the pleaser. They're saying yes to everyone, right? Mm-hmm. They're bending over backwards, and then they're depleted, and then they get resentful. And then they turn to the fixing themselves or they turn to the lone wolf or the victim. Mm -hmm. And what I find is when we start to, you know, you know this from martial arts too, when we define boundaries, when we say, this is where I end and you begin. And no, I don't want to listen to you complain for 20 minutes, honey. I want Mm -hmm. to be compassionate to you and love you and give you some time to vent, but I'm tired and I have needs too. So when we actually create boundaries, it creates tension in the relationship. Our partner doesn't like it at first, but then they respect us and they love us more. And then when we have that boundary, then we can actually open our heart for real. We can really be generous. We can, we can you know, when they really need us, we don't roll our eyes and go, oh, I'm always doing stuff for you. We go, sure, I'd love to. Uh, and it's wholehearted, the generosity. But like everything, to be fully open, we need to be full, be able to close, right? We need to, to inhale, we need to exhale. So it's those men who are pleasers, they really need to say no more often. And it's it's amazing. I see guys who, this is like radical for them. I say to them, your mission this week is to say no three times to your wife. And they get all nervous about it. And then they come back a week or two later and they're like, wow, that was so amazing. I said, no. and
1: but I mean, if you think about the the core of it, I mean... Yeah. Why the fuck shouldn't you be able to say no to your wife? Exactly. Like, what kind of man are you if like you're acquiescing to every single demand of anyone, regardless of whether it's your wife or your boss or your best friend or like... Just be a fucking man, dude. Be a man. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's,
0: it's, right. yeah. It, it cuts into that pride, right? Of what kind of man am I? Exactly. Yeah. And, and to feel... Well, I guess, I guess the, where I'm, if
1: I, if I may interrupt you, I'm just it, coming back to the woman thing. Like I've, I've reflected on this for a long time, for many years. It's like, why should a woman be told or, or get an, a yes response to everything? Why should she, what is what is what has a woman done that qualifies her to being, being told yes to everything and being given everything she wants. It's ridiculous. Just the very, the premise of it, like, it's it's crazy i'm not and and why should a man right men don't get that if you walk oh my god
2: yeah right
0: like so it it makes people entitled it makes them narcissistic Mm -hmm. right and i see a lot of men in certain cultures especially where the boy is brought up as this little prince and he gets (laughs) given everything and the women in the household are like slaving away and then this guy is such an entitled selfish prick
1: yeah my sister dated a guy like that actually it was funny
0: it's not that they're, they wanted to be that way. They were like trained from an early age to like think the world revolves around them and that mm. every need they have should be met. And if they don't, they throw a tantrum. So you're right. You know, and I think the revolution, in a sense, is when good men stand up and say no, yeah. especially to those guys who are taking everything and being selfish, right? Mm. So that, that's, it's really powerful to 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 see men transform from pleaser to actually generous more generous than they've ever been before and giving themselves what they need as well
1: because that generosity is then coming from a place of
0: strength not weakness exactly
2: mm-hmm.
0: exactly and they their mission is to actually go on the edge and become selfish because they're mm-hmm. trying too hard to be selfless they they have to do stuff that's going to make them feel guilty like oh i'm being selfish to actually come into their f- their deeper self, which is. The, yeah, I, I always
1: think of that term selfish and how it's, it's, it's been weaponized mm. selfish is something someone calls you when you're not doing what they want you to do. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like it's, yeah. it's so, so interesting. And why, why that word is such a negative stigma. Like I will actively admit and own up to being selfish. The most mm. important person in my world is me. I will say mm. that straight up. It's me. But that doesn't mean there aren't other people that are important and that I care about and that I love and that I want to do things for. I just know that I always come first because Mm. this is my trip, right? And Mm. if I don't don't take care of myself and I don't get things right with myself, I'm not going to be able to get to help anyone else. I'm not going to be able to help my friends or my community or my tribe. I've got to take care of number
0: one first and then help others in my life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And every man's coming from a different, place in the spectrum right so the men Mm -hmm. who are good-hearted kind considerate they need to go to that place of putting themselves first sure and the men who are selfish like genuinely selfish i don't need to call them that but they they are only about themselves Mm -hmm. and take 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 they don't give those guys need to understand the consequence and the impact of their single-mindedness Mm. and come into relationship and Absolutely. come at it from the opposite end. But, but I often talk to the, the generous guys, you know, there's so many of them that have collapsed sure. and um, the last saboteur to touch before, on, well, before we yeah, go ahead yeah. that,
1: you, you left sure. out the, the pleaser, the, the healthy version of the pleaser is the what?
0: So the, it's the generous giver, it's the generous, the generous lover, giver. Okay. the guy who will like blow a woman's heart wide open. Because he's giving so deeply. He'll stay up with her for two hours and love her and heal her, you know, and, and he's just like so generous and so patient and so open, just makes her want to open herself up and surrender to him. But that's not him all the time that that's him. So full. He has so much to give because he has those strong boundaries because he fills his own cup every day because he puts mm-hmm. himself at the center of his life mm-hmm. and knows to tend to himself first. So he can be generous.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a good one. Okay. So number five, here we go. I'm guessing okay. this is the biggest of them all.
0: No, I don't know, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's, my, it's my recent, like it's the one that I'm working on right now. Um, but just one more thing I want to say about the pleaser I actually, you know, when I say to a, a man who's being used to being a pleaser his whole life. I say, put yourself first, put yourself number one. and They never do. So <laughs> what, I, what I find more helpful is put the relationship first. And the relationship includes you. It's not about mm-hmm. pleasing your wife or your kids. It's about making sure that the family is fed and you're at that table. Understood. And, and that, Understood. that's the kind of mind shift that they go, okay, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. I can make myself be part of the system that is first. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we get to the fifth one and it corresponds to the fifth core need, which Mm -hmm. is is recognition. And it's the critic. It's the guy. It's a part of all of us, whether it's externalized or we keep it quiet in our heads that sees fault and flaws and everything and wants Mm -hmm. to pick, 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 pick. And like you said earlier, when we, I think we were talking about the fixers, they were related, right? Like the critic is the one who sees the problem and wants to analyze it and understand it and break it down. Mm -hmm. Why is Mm -hmm. that? Why is that? And evolutionarily, like for thousands of years, that was a survival trait looking for danger in their environment. Something's askew. Something's not right. I got to notice it. Otherwise I'm going to die. And there's a, Deeper part of that, from the moment we're born, we don't actually exist until we're witnessed. We don't know that we exist. We don't feel the sense of self until we see ourselves through the eyes of others. Mm. So when a baby laughs or cries, it sees a parent reflecting back something, an expression, uh, an interest, or I I see you, right? And then we go, oh, Mm -hmm. I exist because someone saw me. Mm. And the first way that kind of the fast food version of that is attention. I, you know, I do something people notice. Great. I do something good. People smile. I do something bad. People frown. If we stay at that level of consciousness, we become a critic and a pleaser, right? Pleaser in the sense of wanting the good food and the critic who starts to see problems with everyone and everything. And so the critic is not a bad part. I mean, it, it's helped me a lot, but I'm kind of been, uh, trying to find ways to evolve that part of me. It's so, uh, I heard a study that they found in couples. They found that, you know, when couples blame each other, it's like the most natural thing when you live together for a long time, you just kind of, you know, someone leaves something out and you go, ah, oh, it must sure. be my partner. Right. You kind of sure. jump, jump to this must be them. They did that. They left the fridge open or something.
1: It's a pretty, it's a pretty, um, accurate predictor of relationship failure if i'm not mistaken
0: sure sure but it's also natural we do that sometimes right mm-hmm. and it's so automatic and they found that the reason it's so prevalent is it lights up the same part of the brain as cocaine <laughs> it's addictive to want to find fault with someone even with ourselves so some people turn on their partner turn on the world but sometimes we do the same thing to ourselves. We're always looking for what's wrong with me. What do I need to fix? And uh, why hmm. am I like this? It's addictive, right? There's some kind of payoff. Uh, maybe one day I'll find the answer. So I see a lot of guys who come to me with, you know, I have sex addiction or I have, I have an, uh, struggling with alcohol. I'm an addict and, and I've gone to therapy for 10 years. And I want to know, what, you know, can you tell me what's wrong with me? why am I like this? (laughs) Like You've -hmm, been thinking mm -hmm. about this for 10 years. You've paid thousands of dollars to ask people's opinion and you're still not satisfied. That's the critic, you know, who keeps Mm. wanting to poke, poke. And to me, the the only way to heal that is, is through deeper recognition through like a penetrating gaze. Mm. Someone who knows us so well, knows our, flaws and our strengths and everything and sees all of us and says you are all of these things you are a destroyer and a creator you are a loving man and you can be a real fucking asshole Mm. (laughs) you can be selfish and selfless you can be Mm. so you are you have so many dimensions and shades and i see you in in your fullness
1: and this is this is uh closely related to to accepting your shadow right yeah i mean it's Exactly. which has been a big, big one for me is just realizing, yeah, you have yeah. dark characteristics to your personality and you've had to, right. There's no way you would, your ancestors would have survived if they'd been total pushovers, mm-hmm. right. If they didn't, if they didn't pull the trigger when they needed to, at some point, and you know, if I can do something pretty intense or, or pretty violent or whatever it might be, like we all have that within us. And it's the guys who repress that the most who are the ones who fucking snap I'm always reminded of that yeah. movie falling down with um what was the guy's name? Michael
0: um Michael Douglas, right? Michael yeah. Douglas,
1: Michael Douglas, yeah. Like when he just gets to that point one day where he just fucking snaps because yeah. he's never really he's never really internalized those shadow aspects of himself. He's always been the people pleaser. He's he's always been the victim. And then one day it just it's just all too much, right? And yeah, Yeah. so I I totally get where you're coming from, David. Thank you for for sharing that. That's, that's powerful.
0: Yeah. I'm really moved by that. And I I see a lot of men who are just relentlessly negative towards themselves. I had a a client recently a few months ago who tried to commit suicide Mm -hmm. and he would have succeeded except for his sister broke through the garage like a warrior and pulled him out of a car. That, you know, he left the gas on and he woke up in the hospital and, and, uh, and he's had a second lease on life and and months, three months, three and a half months later, he's so fucking happy that someone intervened and that. So many things have changed in his life that the state of being negative is so powerful. It's so, it's such a spell when you see everything through dark lens, um, it can become so helpful hopeless and helpless and in despair right millions of men walk around like that coping just coping until too many straws fall on their back and they they collapse and under that weight and so for me like the the saboteurs are a real like knowing the saboteurs is really hopeful because you can go well that's not me i'm not a victim i'm not a critic i'm this is a part of me it's one part of many parts and that part could actually evolve and become like really amazing. Mm-hmm. That's fucking amazing, right? I don't have to destroy my marriage. I don't have to quit my, you know, dreams that I have or my career or whatever. I can, I can look at these dark parts and see that they're actually essential to the next chapter of my life. Mm-hmm. I guess the um, first one of one of the, one of the yeah. things I
1: always remind people of is that the first. The first step to solving, to, I guess, I don't want to use the word fixing, but to fixing any problem, is mm-hmm. just being aware that it is it exists, right? And I'm sure a lot of the guys listening to this, yeah. didn't even know that they had one or more of those saboteurs operating. But now, once it's been, once we've shone the light of conscious awareness on it, they can begin the process of of healing or internalizing that part of themselves and going beyond. Yeah, that.
0: and it can be bonding to say, yeah, I have a critic. Me too. Fuck, who doesn't? Yeah, who doesn't? <laughs> is my is my critic functional? Is he healthy? Do I use him to be critically thinking, you know, to be challenging constructs and paradigms? Mm-hmm. Or do I use him to rip people apart and just be mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's a force, right? It's like our our hands can heal, they can also harm. He's a part of us to contend with. Carl Jung once said what was true in the morning of my life becomes a lie in the afternoon. And I think about how as men, we get through chapters in our lives where the old stories don't work or they become really unfulfilling and we need to reawaken a deeper consciousness, a subconscious, unconscious forces. And that brings up the shadow things we don't like about ourselves, but that's where the gold is. That's where the treasure is. That's where that's what we need for the next chapter of our life to be renewed is we need to go into that labyrinth tackle that minotaur and bring him back out and retrain him into an ally right absolutely so so i i get really excited about t- talking about sabotage because most guys just stop at giving themselves you know a hard time and flagellating themselves about it mm-hmm. but they they don't know why or what's really going on.
1: Mm-hmm. Agreed. Well, David, I, I think you're going to have to be a guest on the show again, because I know that this is, <laughs> we've just scratched the surface of, of your wisdom and your experience. And I, I'd really love to, to learn more, but that's pretty much all we have time for today. Sure. If the, the listeners want to find out more about you, where's the best place for them to go?
0: So, yeah, we have a relational men's community. That's worldwide, but we're, we're centered in Toronto, Canada. And okay. uh, you can find us at powerfulandloving.com. And I just want to leave you with a thought mm-hmm. about that that kind of comes the inspiration for our community is Martin Luther King once said, Power without love is reckless and abusive. And love without power is sentimental and anemic. Hmm. And so the, the mission in life, I think, for us as men, when we get to that, place of isn't working anymore we're not fulfilled like we used to be is to come into paradox how can i embody power and love how can i Mm -hmm. become a critic who's loving and conscious and clear i didn't get to say that the critic actually evolves into the conscious king the king Mm -hmm. who blesses who recognizes who empowers who discerns who makes wise decisions That's where the critic goes when we evolve him. So, you know, how can we bring the light and the dark together, the yin and the yang? I think that's our birthright as like mature men, no longer boys, no longer young men searching, but that's the place we can get to, at least in midlife, hopefully. You know, we start to scratch the surface of life and we penetrate it to get to these paradoxes. So, my invitation is for men to to look for that perhaps they find it in your dojo perhaps they go to another community you know like for them to search for that search for other men and women who embody that those paradoxes who are at that level of consciousness and surround ourselves with these people absolutely bring that home to our families Mm. that's yeah i look
1: i don't think uh a healthier, well-adjusted man could argue with anything that you've said. And um, I support you wholeheartedly in what you're trying to do. And I really appreciate your time today, David. Thank mm. you so much.
0: Thank you, Nick. It's been a real pleasure.
1: How could you have listened to that and felt anything less than inspired and expanded and ready to, to grow and become a better version of yourself? I really enjoyed that. And uh, I saw elements of the five saboteurs within me, elements of every single one of them. And I'm sure if you're honest with yourself and you're listening, you probably did the same. But the cool thing is, as I said in the intro, he gave us some tools to, to go beyond them. And uh, I really appreciated having David on the show. He'll definitely be back. I hope you guys have an amazing rest of your week and that uh, wherever you are in the world and whatever it is that you're doing you're becoming the very best version of your soul. Until next time, keep the faith.